Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to another episode of the Top on the Race podcast. The penultimate episode of season five. Yes. Episode 129. Yes. I I just like the word penultimate. It seems like you intense. You do really love that <laughs> It makes it seem like it's like big. But well, really, it's just this the second to last episode. Yeah. <laughs> But I feel like we won't say the ultimate episode. We'll say the last episode next yes. week. But penultimate's a real term. I know. I know it is. I just don't think normal people use it in their everyday life. Well, I work in TV, so we do use it. It's the penultimate episode. <laughs> um, but yes, it is the penultimate episode, and we will be talking about Uganda. Which was my pick, because last week Laura picked, and this week I picked. Yes. So that we could each have our turn instead of harassing our friends. Yes. Man, it's been a season. We've been all around the world. We have. And learned a lot of really weird things. Yeah. And a lot of really interesting things. Things that I, like, think are cool, but would have never heard of. You know, again, like, just because we've it's one that we've tried... Like, thinking about, like, soju and the fact that, like, I would have seen that on a menu and never ordered it because I would have no idea what it was. Right. Um, or the bar in Namji Bazaar that we'll never visit. Yes, but cool <laughs> to know it exists and that we know someone that's been there. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure we'll do, like, a whole retrospective of the season next week during the, the ultimate episode. <laughs> the ultimate episode. But, uh, but it has been really cool. And uh, I've really enjoyed traveling the world in our minds. Um, But again, this week we're doing Uganda. I, like, had no idea what country to pick. It was, like, a lot of pressure, right? Because next week we're not doing a specific country. Um, And so we're doing a a listicle, our fave. So we, I had, I was picking the last country of the season. The pressure. It was a lot of pressure. (laughs) And so I was Googling the biggest drinking countries in the world. And of course, like the usual, like Ireland came up, England came up, America, um, and then Uganda came up. And I think I talk about, I might mention this later in the episode, um, but I was just shocked that Uganda was on the list and uh, was like, well, that's interesting. We should do Uganda because I would have never named that if you You asked it. I got it. What? You got it, Uganda. Ha, 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 ha. Wow. <laughs> well, if you're still listening, um, <laughs> and you're going to listen to the rest of the episode and you want to catch pictures from this week's episode or any of the previous episodes from season five, make sure you're following us on social media. We're on Instagram at a tap on the wrist. And if you have any ideas for future seasons, if you've tried any of the alcohols that we've talked about or cocktails we've talked about this season, we would love to hear from you. And you can email us at tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. And with that, let's go to our last country of the season, Uganda. You got it. So recently, I feel like I've been particularly have been doing a lot of like alcohol history, like specific alcohols in regions. And uh, it's, of course, a really great way to highlight a country. But uh, I felt like I should give Laura the chance to do that. And Mm -hmm. also, (laughs) I've been really like itching for like some kind of like true crime or just like something a little bit different. Um, And so when I started Googling um, my usual, which is like murder, country, alcohol. (laughs) Um, I noticed a lot of articles about toxic alcohol and how it's a pretty big problem in Uganda. Um, And I know we've definitely discussed toxic alcohol before in other areas like the DR, Mexico, and even like here in the US. Um, But I do think that it's important to discuss and to remind people because it really is something that happens like everywhere. Uh, and it can be super dangerous. Uh, well, toxic alcohol is super dangerous. I mean, homebrewed could be dangerous. Um, so I think it's important for people to hear about it and to be kind of aware of... You know. Sampling any homebrew. Yes. Or like, not even just homebrewed, but like unauthorized 
alcohol because you'll see in my story it's not home brewed it's just not not oversight yeah yeah exactly um so before i start my story i just wanted to give some background information uh on uganda because i did not realize that it was such a heavy heavy drinking country um i mean i I was trying to find a country to do because I had Laura picked our last one. I had to pick this one. And I was like Googling and I was like, oh my gosh, Uganda came up quite a bit. Um, And so according to the World Health Organization or the WHO, uh, in 2018, Uganda was ranked among the top alcohol per capita consuming countries in Africa with an estimated 9.5 liters per person over 15. So... From what I saw, it seems to be that, like, 15 is kind of their drinking limit. Yeah, and I had said, like, I read that that was actually significantly lower than, like, 10 years prior. Yeah. It was, like, almost double that. Yeah. And they've, like, curbed it. Right. Which I don't know if you're going to get into, but, like, Ugandans, like, Ugandans, Ugandans? Great question. Great question. The people of Uganda. The people of Uganda enjoy their alcohol they do they sure do um but sadly the who also reported that at least three million deaths every year worldwide not specifically in uganda are due to harmful use of alcohol which represents 5.3 percent of all deaths Uh, and then they specifically said that in people aged 20 to 39 approximately 13.5 percent of total deaths are attributed to alcohol um they also said that alcohol is a casual factor in more than 200 diseases and injury conditions. Um, and as we discussed, bootleg alcohol and moonshine. <laughs> I wrote moonship. <laughs> moonship. Moonshine are often, if not always, the cause of toxic alcohol deaths and disabilities. So when it comes to Uganda specifically, The WHO's Global Health Observatory database places Uganda as having one of the highest consumptions of home-brewed and informally produced alcohol in the East African region. Uh, And in 2018, a data company named Statista said that over 60% of Uganda's alcohol market was illicit, making it the largest in Africa. Now... Uh, One of the most recent publicized cases of toxic alcohol in Uganda is kind of what inspired my story. Um, It it occurred in August of 2022, so like very recently. Okay. Yeah. Um, And I say publicized because though many people die every year in Uganda from toxic alcohol, the deaths will usually go unreported, which is not surprising, but... um, But yeah, so there's many more cases, but this is one of the ones that was actually publicized in recent history. So in this case, toxic liquor was sold from a roadside kiosk in northern Uganda in the city of Ora. I'm just going to go ahead and apologize because I looked up how to say none of these cities that I'm going to mention. (laughs) Um, So yeah, Uh, the liquor was a local gin named City 5 which according to Uganda's National Bureau of Standards, contains methanol, which is a poisonous form of alcohol, sometimes used as an antifreeze. uh, And that's like often what we see being used in these toxic alcohol cases. Right. So the article I read from the Daily Mail quoted UNBS Executive Director David Livingstone Ibiru. Sorry if I said that wrong. Uh, who said the sample picked by the Uganda police force from the kiosk where the products were being sold was found to have been adulterated with excessive levels of methanol. It is likely the perpetrators deliberately and illegally used methanol as a cheaper alternative to increase the potency of City 5 gin instead of ethanol, which is commonly used in making alcoholic beverages. So all of the people who died in this case were men between the ages of 43 and 53, uh, and they either died at home or in the hospital. Uh, And then, as I said, there were many other people who were hospitalized, including the woman who owns the bar, uh, which leads me to believe that she did not realize she was serving toxic alcohol because she herself consumed it and ended up in the hospital. Right. Um, So after this rash of deaths, the bar was, of course, 
closed, uh, and the factory where the alcohol was made also closed. Uh, it was noted that the factory had not been certified by the Uganda National Bureau of Standards, uh, though they had applied, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, and the UNBS suspended the certification process of products and production facilities of City 5 Gin. Additionally, four factory workers specifically were taken into custody and samples of the remaining gin were sent for analysis. So, like I said, they had been under the certification process. Uh, and I think there's kind of like a hint as to why they used methanol, but they sh obviously should not have despite this. So, Lulu Weary, Lulu Weary Fruit Wine, again, might be saying that wrong, uh, is the company that produced City 5. And they had been recently certified by the UNBS to produce semi-sweet still table pineapple wine uh, after undergoing conformity assessment. The company, after you know getting approved for this pineapple wine, then tried to apply for certification of City 5 pineapple flavored gin. Uh, but the gin failed laboratory analysis for having low alcohol content. So like they were saying, the alcohol content was too low uh, the standard for gin uh, is 37.5% volume, um, and they were under that, so that leads me to believe that they probably added the methanol to boost their percentage cheaply, but again, that is not what how they should have reacted. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course, since City 5 had not been certified yet they shouldn't have produced the gin or sold it to the public like they should have still been undergoing right testing to get it to where it needed to be to be certified right and the testing would not have passed if they were using methanol correct um so you know not a great judgment choice uh the bureau together with the uganda police inspected the luluwiri fruit wine factory and found 40 unmarked drums and eight filled jerry cans containing alcohol, uh, which is where the samples were taken for analysis. Uh, the case kind of seems to still be developing. So unfortunately, I couldn't really find a final outcome on what happens. But I imagine that City 5 will probably not be producing gin anytime soon. Uh, I would think they'd be under like harsh watch of any of their alcohols right because even though they were produced i mean approved for the pineapple wine i'd be weary to try it like yeah i don't know yeah uh and then just briefly before i kind of get to some like laws that they're trying to put into effect um another case kept coming up uh while i was looking at this specific one uh, and that was in June of 2017. There was another case that left 11 people dead uh, after consuming toxic gin, I believe, in central Uganda. Uh, and locals said that relatives that their relatives were developing complications like dizziness, vomiting, and partial blindness before dying within a short period of time. Um, which is kind of, again, like what we see in all these cases, like blindness, you know, stomach illness, and then eventually death. Right. Uh, of course, uh, in this, oh, sorry. And in this case, it was several bar owners that were taken into custody, interrogated, uh, and even arrested. So in this case, it leads me to believe that that was probably homebrew. Like it wasn't from a company the way City 5 was selling. It was probably like homebrewed alcohol. The actual bartenders were being arrested. Because again, in this, in this City 5 issue, the bartender herself was sick. So I don't think she was involved she just bought it because it was probably cheaper um but in this case there were bartenders that were arrested um and of course the bars were warned not to sell locally brewed alcohol but as as i'm sure we can assume and know that didn't really stop in uganda uh, and in many other places in the world um and I did also want to point out that there, and I don't know if you talk about this, you might, but businessmen in Uganda, or businessmen in quotes, have like begun to sell or 
not have begun, like had in the past begun to sell alcohol packed in like these small poly polythene bags. I do talk about, yeah. Okay. Um, well, Laura will talk more about it, so I won't go into it, but just, you know, this kind of leads to people getting addicted to alcohol and, right. you know, eventually looking for cheaper forms of alcohol, which would lead to homebrewed and uh, these toxic alcohol issues. We assumed there'd be a little bit of overlap in our yeah. story, so apologies if you hear about this again, but just wanted to bring it up. So now I'm just going to talk a little bit about the laws that have kind of come about recently. Um, I think a lot to do with this case that just happened in August was kind of like the final straw. So uh, Uganda is trying to take action against these issues with toxic alcohol and the alcohol industry as a so right now, the country relies on kind of outdated laws, including the Portable Liquor Act, which was enacted in 1965. And it was made to regulate the manufacture and licensing of alcohol. Uh, and since then, there have been some like other scattered laws that have been kind of difficult to implement, but they're basically just relying on, you know, a law from like, what, 50 years ago that just doesn't really apply to the world we're living in right now. Right. Uh, so in November of 2022, a couple months after this toxic alcohol incident, uh, a bill was introduced to par the parliament in Uganda by sponsor Sarah Opendi. Again, apologies if that name is being said incorrectly. Uh, and the bill would bring a host of restrictions and raise awareness about the dangers of alcohol. The bill would call for regulations to license those trading in alcohol, ban sales to certain persons, and regulate the promotion and regulate the promotion and advertising of alcoholic drinks. Uh, it would also create public awareness about the dangers of excessive consumption to quote rehabilitate, counsel, and treat persons who have developed mental challenges arising from the excessive use of alcoholic drinks. So. Appendi said of these bills, quote, the harmful use of alcoholic beverages causes a high burden of disease and has serious social and economic consequences on the well-being of the society, including domestic violence and harm to members of the society. The law we want in place is for government to regulate what time people should go to bars, and this should be after working hours, not someone waking up from bed early morning and going into the bar as the rest of the population are going to work. Come on, that's so fun. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I did see like a bunch of, like a, in a couple of articles, apparently that like is an issue that a lot of like young people will go straight to the bar in the morning. Like they won't go to work or like look for work because they are like addicted to alcohol. Yeah, it's a, yeah. a big issue like like drinking is a big problem right yeah uh so this so like trying to regulate it uh in terms of hours is like to try to encourage people to like actually go to work and or not go to work drunk uh which you know has its merits and also you know we don't love regulating things so um so unsurprisingly a lot of people are pushing back against this bill uh, particularly those who work in breweries and in the alcohol industry in Uganda in general. Uh, they believe the value of their industry lies in the money that the government earns from the taxes on their product, which, you know, governments do love money, so they have a point. Uh, and they also say that, or point out, that they have created thousands of jobs in their sector and in linked industries every year. So a man named Alfred Komachet, Komachet, sorry, uh, who's a manager of a bar in Uganda called Top Pub, said to the Citizen Digital, quote, the bill is bought in bad faith. You cannot put a limit on the time someone should start drinking a beer or leave a bar. If Parliament, Parliament, if Parliament values the contribution of the alcoholic drinks industry to their economy, they should not entertain this bill. Uh, and I can honestly see that a lot of pushback coming from that because, for sure, again, governments love money. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And I do think that it's like important to find a balance, right? Because as we've seen, prohibitions generally don't work. And I know this isn't a full prohibition, um, but it is limiting, you know, the hours that a person can drink and also specific people. It's preventing them from drinking, which I'll get to uh, in a minute. And I think that's going to be like a big problem. Right. So, um, you know, a lot, like I said, a lot of people don't love it. So I read a blog, uh, which I believe is a Ugandan blog called Parliament Watch, uh, specifically about their parliament. And I just wanted to read from there. So the author wrote, we must provide an answer to whether laws can be used to regulate behavior, behavior change issues, the economic impact of the law on society and the thousands of people in this industry. According to behavioral science experts, legislating on behavior change issues is an effort in futility. There is a strong movement towards rehabilitating, sensitizing, educating, and engaging the communities or the public to understand why they should or should not engage in a specific vice or practice. Uganda over the years has passed laws perceived to be regulating behavior change, which largely has not yielded much results causing outrage to the public and also confusion to the public. So he points out some acts uh, that were passed, like the Computer Misuse Amendment or Act of 2022, the Anti-Homosexuality Act of 2014, which was supposed to help prevent HIV and AIDS, uh, but obviously impedes on people's right to be with who they want to be with. Of so, course. Not great. <laughs> Don't love that. Don't love that. Uh, the Anti-Pornography Act, also passed in 2014, uh, and the Tobacco Control Act of 2015. And again, those did not yield great results and they were very much met with opposition. Uh, and I understand why. Right. I mean, people have the right to live the life they want to live. Right. I think there's a difference between making sure that what is being produced or sold is not toxic. Yes. Or like that it is safe for consumption, but you can't tell me what to consume. Right. I remember, like, New York City tried to do, like, that no drinks over 20 ounces mm-hmm. law. Like, it was probably 10 years ago. Yeah. And people were like, don't tell me how much soda I can drink. Yeah. Yes, I know it's bad for me if I drink a big gulp every day. Right. But, like, if that's what I choose to drink, then that's what I choose to drink. Right. You know, well, we do I live choose... in a quote-unquote free country, although, yeah, you know, yeah, there are some rights that we all should have, but... But like it's that. <laughs> right. I fully believe that, like, yes, do we need safeguards, especially when it comes to, like, the age of consumption? Yeah. Sure. But once you are an adult, like, I... Yeah. And I also think a lot of these laws should focus on the industry, right? Like, the tobacco act that they passed and this alcohol act. Yeah, you should regulate advertising. Sure. Like, you shouldn't be advertising on a children's network, you know, things of like course. that. Um, so I think it should be industry focused and obviously, of course, you should use legal ingredients and you should go through like a certification process to make sure that you're not using illegal But a lot of these laws seem to fall on the individual. Yeah. And that's where I'm don't yeah, agree. Exactly. Um, so I do, you know, see why people would not love some of these laws. Um and I just, I, again, I think it should focus on the industry and on education because, like, the Anti-Homosexuality Act, I didn't look into it a ton, but sounds terrible. Like, maybe educate, like, sex education, like, use protection, you know. And alcohol education. Yeah. And, yeah. and tobacco education. Like, yeah. I can see why this this Parliament Watch blog said that, like, behavioral change issues laws about them aren't super successful and we should focus on education instead of forcing people to do things they don't want to do. So, uh, on that note, some of the things that the bill seeks to prohibit are the sale or consumption of alcohol before 12 p.m. or after 6 a.m., which I guess we do have states that don't sell alcohol before 12 p.m., right? Right. So I guess that's not like... Or like they're closed on Sundays. Right, or... yeah. I guess it's not like the most horrible. Um, but it would be new to the country, right? So, yeah. uh, And then 
while places don't serve alcohol before 12 p.m., I don't think you would personally be penalized for drinking alcohol in your own on your own accord before 12 p.m. Whereas this says that uh, consumption of alcohol violators would face a penalty of a two million shilling fine or a 10 year jail term or both, which seems exceedingly harsh. Yeah. For just like having a drink before 12. That's, and who's, who's like snitching on these people in their own I home? mean, you never know. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but yes. Grandma. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the bill also seeks to prohibit the sale of alcoholic drinks in passenger and service vehicles, okay, but also wants to prohibit the sale of alcoholic drinks to enforcement officers uh, or to persons under the age of 18. I get the persons under 18, you know, I can get that. Like, we ha- we can't sell alcohol to people under 21 in our country. Right. But set- telling enforcement officers that they can't drink ever... Or while on duty. I don't know. It just said the sale of alcoholic drinks to enforcement officers. I hope it means while on duty because that then yes. Then I support, then I support yeah. that. <laughs> but if it means ever, that's insane. Um, and I could see them being really mad about that. Um, so like we were kind of saying, that blog, the Parliament Watch, wrote, their enforcement will be in vain if the consumers are not educated and sensitized on the precautionary measures involved in alcohol. You know, and I, I, again, I think education is super important. Um, and that was kind of all I found. Again, it's so recent. It was in November that the bill was proposed. So I didn't see anything about whether it has passed. Um, I kind of, you know, hope that adjustments can be made, um, that will make it a little bit more accessible to the people, but, uh, we'll see. if it... If it passes, they're setting themselves up for more bootleg alcohol. Yes, that's the problem. Because Uganda has so much bootleg alcohol, which you're going to talk about. Like, I think I said 60% of the alcohol in Uganda is. It's just going to go up. Yeah. As we've seen when prohibitions and those kind of laws go into effect in other places. So, good luck. Yeah, we will, we'll see. I do think something has to be done, right? I just don't know what. Because what, I'm, you know, that's not my, that's not Expertise. my thing. Expertise. There we go. That was the word I couldn't think of. Okay, so I did use a couple of sources for this article. Uh, so from the Daily Mail, uh, toxic gin sold at roadside kiosk kills 17 people in Uganda by summer good kind. Uh, then from citizen.digital, uh, I got an article called Uganda Mall's Clampdown on Alcohol, uh, and it said it was by AFP. Uh, And then lastly, that blog, Parliament Watch, uh, which again is a blog from Uganda, by Timothy Chimonjis. I feel so bad that I didn't look up how to say these people's names. It's okay. Uh, And it's called, the article he wrote for the blog was Uganda's Long Walk to Alcohol Regulation. Will the new bill bear a toxic-free generation? And that's it. Awesome. Okay. So I wrote this not knowing who was recording first. (laughs) (laughs) And that's fine. Um, It's going to be fine. Okay. Okay. So, way back in season one, yeah, we did an entire episode all about gin. Yes. And then Vanessa just also talked to us about gin. Uh, and we've mentioned gin a bunch of times in our 130-ish yep, episodes. A very popular kind of alcohol. Correct. But back in that episode, in season one, we discovered how it came from the Dutch, how, like, soldiers used it and traveled all over the world with it. Mm-hmm. Um, different botanicals that go into it to cover the like not very friendly flavors of like poorly distilled vodka and all of that. Um, and also our shared love of gin. Yes. Because we both really enjoy it. So this week, just as Vanessa mentioned, she was surprised to find out that Uganda was such a heavily alcohol like consuming nation Mm -hmm. i was surprised to find out that they are one of the great gin drinking nations in the world not only do they consume a lot of alcohol 
Like, they are seventh in the world for gin consumption. Yeah. It is It is their, their go-to. And to be clear, Laura, when we, before we started recording, Laura was like, what do you talk about? Like, because she's going to talk about some, like, locally brewed alcohol gin. Yeah. But I was really trying to avoid looking at locally brewed, so I didn't realize that it was gin that specifically that was, like, often locally brewed. So I was like, oh, no, don't worry. I just talk about gin. And she was like, well. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Uh, however... So, gin is obviously, like, the spirit in total, uh, like, as Vanessa mentioned, Five City Gin, and there are lots of other distillers across the country, but there are two main names that they use for gin in Uganda. There's Waraji, uh-huh. or, um, and Anguli, and together these two make up 80% of the alcohol that is drunk by... The people of Uganda. Mm-hmm. And uh, Waraji is what they typically call manufactured gin. Okay. Um, and it, it's, there's different pronunciations. It's either Waraji or Waragi. Okay. And both are considered fine. It's kind of your pronunciation of that G sound if you do like the hard G or the short G. Mm-hmm. Um, but I watched videos and they use them like interchangeably in the same video. Yeah. So, however you like it. I don't I feel like I like Waragi. War oh, sorry, it's Waragi or Wargi? Yeah, is how you'd say it. Yeah. I like Waragi too. Yeah. Okay. So, um Anguli is what they is basically like the homemade or bootleg version of Waragi. Waragi. Mm-hmm. Um, and I but, saw those names come up while I was researching and was like, nope, avoid, avoid. <laughs> but they also, people interchange those names as well, uh, especially in Western media. Okay. So a lot of times, and a lot of what I'm going to say today, it's like reported that it's Waragi, but it's actually the homemade version. So it mm-hmm. should have been reported as Nguli, but like... Okay. Our headlines in Western media would be like, Waraji is responsible for this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. So it's very, like, I think if you live there and you live in regions, they have different names for it. But we're going to get into where it came from. I'm going to tell you the history of it. Um, Okay. Like most spirits that we've talked about, in all of our episodes, Waraji was brought to Africa from an outside source. <laughs> okay. In this case, the history of Waraji is traced to a period of Ugandan history during the colonial era. Gin was introduced by British soldiers who were stationed in Uganda. And as they recruited local like members of villages to join them, mm-hmm. um, they would use that their gin to like keep good spirits amongst the troops and then you know the men would go back to their villages and want Want that gin so they developed ways to make a similar thing like they didn't quite have the same setup as you know the british troops but uh they they found ways to homebrew it yes And gin is, in all honesty, a fairly easy spirit to create. Mm -hmm. Um, And really, you always are starting with a vodka, which is distilled usually with a wheat or a potato in some cases. You need, like, that base alcohol. But you need that base, like, starch Uh to distill a vodka. And then you take that vodka and you add flavors and botanicals to create the gin. It's so easy to make that we're going to make some soon. Yes, Vanessa <laughs> and I are making gin soon. Um, however, what is different about this Uganda spirit is that in most cases it's not rice or wheat or potatoes. You have any guess what like homemade waraji? Okay, so it's not rice, wheat, or potatoes. I almost said weiss. <laughs> Corn? 
Nope. Uh, what's another starch? Sweet potato. This is not sweet potato. Tapioca. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm trying to think of things that I don't oh. <laughs> Um, Bananas. Bananas? Or cassavas. Interesting. Yes. yes. And so the most traditional way is with bananas. And first you would make sure the fruit is very, very ripe. Okay. Um, like and- banana bread ripe? Or even riper? No, no, not quite that ripe. A little less than banana bread ripe. Okay. okay. Like spotting on the peels, but not brown. <laughs> okay. They were okay. all yellow when I looked at them. Okay. Um, and they, they like cook them down into a mash that mm-hmm. then gets distilled and fermented and turned into the spirit. Okay. Uh, there are cheaper ways to do it because bananas can actually be, uh, you need a lot of bananas. Mm-hmm. So when you get into the the distillation of Waraji, like you were talking about, they're not using bananas. They're using more traditional starches um, because they're like in a factory and they're mm-hmm. using proper methods. But the homebrewed versions a lot of times start with Fruit that can be grown in these more remote villages around yeah. the country. Uh, and just a note that I found, most home brewers in Uganda are women. Okay. Because the men are off doing their business. Yes. And the women are at home taking care of the children in the home and... And homebrewing. Yeah. I did read that it was like a way for women to make money. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Sell it. And what I watched a whole interview. Uh, well, I'm going to get to it, but I'll explain it now. There's a very interesting Vice episode, and it was part of their series. Oh, my God. I almost watched it, but I didn't have time. It's, I saw it come up. It was part of their series mm-hmm. called Fringes, and it's all about Waraji. Did you get to watch it? I watched a lot of it. Yeah. And so they go to many different villages to try mm-hmm. like the different versions of it and yeah. to interview the people. And there's one woman who said she homebrews and sells it to afford her children's school fees. Oh. Because it's like expensive yeah. to send their kids to school and it's not typical. She's trying to like better her kids' lives. That kids go to school. Yeah. So she homebrews it mm-hmm. so she can send her kids to school. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I mean, mothers are the same everywhere. Yeah. Really, like it just goes to show you like we think Uganda is so far and so different and yes many aspects of their culture are but then like humans are humans yeah when it comes down to it you know mothers like want to do everything they can for their kids and they want you know yeah um okay so i found a blog called summer fruit cup (laughs) love it and on this blog they described what this gin is like and i just want to read their description they said it's juniper and angelica on the nose. There's like an initial softness with some juniper and then a bit of spice and some rooty earthiness. Uh, they were surprised by the sweet notes and it slightly caused their tongue to tingle. Hmm. Um, and there's a, a like a cloying bitterness on the finish, kind of the way tonic water is. And if you added a, a little bit of water to the straight wari, war, waraji, uh-huh. uh, the juniper came through a lot more. Okay. Um, so they don't recommend drinking it just straight. neat. Um, yeah. But mixing it with something, which I'll mention again at the end. But it is very strong. Mm-hmm. In this Vice video... The, the man that was doing the interviewing in all these villages, like, he almost, like, prepared himself every time he went to take a sip. Because <sighs> he obviously didn't want to offend them, but it was clear it was very potent. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, oh, man, I don't know. Yeah. Like, fermented banana. <laughs> um, okay. And I, I mentioned in the beginning it's super popular, and that's mainly due to how inexpensive it is. Mm-hmm. A large glass of, like, unregulated home-brewed liquor 
is approximately 25 cents. Yeah. Um, and it makes it very accessible for everybody. And as Vanessa mentioned in her story, and I said I was going to talk about what is unique about the way that a lot of people sell their Waraji mm-hmm. is that they do package them in these small packets. Yeah. Um, and the packets hold about 100 milliliters, which is equivalent to almost a half cup. Uh-huh. So you, and they sell for about 10 cents. Yeah. And so you buy this like sash, sachet, so that's what they kept calling it. Yeah. But I call it a packet. Yeah. And you can like put I think a I straw. Said satchel. <laughs> you can put like a, it's like a Capri Sun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the site I read, I think said like. Anywhere from six to twenty-five cents, so like it could be even. I'm sure yeah. ten is like a, an average, um, yeah. but it could be even cheaper. And so, though, that's good for lower class or you know people who are just want one serving. Although mm-hmm. that, as we know, that's not what happens. People become addicted. It's like they need their fix. Yeah. But, um, the other side effect is that it becomes also accessible two children and teenagers mm-hmm. and um that's not then that is a problem in the the vice video there's a part where um someone is being interviewed and his name is emmanuel Catan, and he says he was initiated into drinking alcohol through these sachets mm-hmm. and um it's because students snuck them into his secondary school to yeah. sell and he said, in Uganda, it's as if drinking has no restrictions. Yeah, which goes back to the so, laws that they're trying to put in place. Right. Which I think, like, one part of that law that I do agree with is bringing the drinking age to 18. Like, right. I, let adults make the decision. I mean, Especially you know, if it is drinking. that potent and it's homebrewed and there are the potential side effects. Like, 13-year-olds don't no. need it. Like, get some juice. Yeah. And I did hear <laughs> that those... What is this? Packets, whatever the packets, like are super popular with young people. Yeah, like I I downloaded a picture and we'll put this on social media, but like they're all brightly colored. Yeah, all different, like local companies brewing them. Right. Um, and like, it's almost like making it attractive to young people. Right. So this picture that we'll put on in Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Like, there is a gin one right in the front, but, like, I also see whiskey, I see vodka. Yeah. Like, it's a very popular way in Uganda to, to purchase yeah. alcohol is in, like, a self-serve, like, one packet mm-hmm. thing. And I'm like, imagine if that was here. Like, if you could just buy a bag of vodka. Yeah. Like, people would drink everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why we don't sell it that way. Right. Yeah, I'm sure that there are reasons why it's not (laughs) popular in other places. As Vanessa mentioned, and we've we've mentioned, like, home-brewed alcohol comes with many side effects because it is not tested scientifically. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lack of government oversight. And Vanessa already explained all of the laws, but we know Uganda is fighting to change that. Right. um, Because... You do, like, we both agree, and I hope you guys listening at home agree, too, that the laws need to be in place. Yeah. Yeah. So that tragedies don't happen. Yeah, 100%. They just, you know, they need to find the right balance of law. Yes. But, so, I mentioned a lot of the homemade and homebrewed Waraji, um, which technically the name is Eugenie. Right. But... They are interchangeable in our media, in the articles I read. Mm-hmm. So I do want to talk about the the bigger manufactured companies in the country. Because mm-hmm. there's like one company that is like the biggest yeah. gin distiller. After Uganda gained its independence in 1962 and the British left, um, the nation, you know, had its independence and it also started to open its own corporations. And it led to this movement of like the first manufactured, triple distilled, actual gin. Mm-hmm. Um, and that company goes by Uganda Waraji. Okay. As if I 
Having confused you enough with what Waraji <laughs> means, the company literally, like, their name is Waraji. Yeah. Anyways. And that, so it means a type of alcohol, but it's also a brand. Right. It's like a type of alcohol that is not homebrewed usually. But sometimes referred. But sometimes it is. <laughs> yes. It's all very, like, when I was trying to research and figure out what I was actually typing about, I was like, this is real confusing. Okay. <laughs> Um, it was started by a group of 26, like, Ugandan blenders who formed the first association mm-hmm. of distillers in the country. And I'm just going to read. This is direct from their website, okay. how they describe their gin. This unique gin was created by the lake shores in Port Bell and the fresh waters of Lake Victoria continue to give Uganda Waraji its great tasting aromatic flavor. A unique blend of strong, tangy lime flavor that comes from the zest of a lime and juniper berries from Greece. Uganda Waraji is the only gin in the world to use the unique combination of botanicals including lime peel, nutmeg, and cassia bark. Known as the spirit of Uganda, Uganda Waraji is a bold, vibrant gin that has over the years taken a leading role in bringing people together. Since 1965, it is the spirit that binds Ugandans in celebration. So much so that it proudly and organically took on the colors of the Uganda flag as it is an authentic representation of the Ugandan people. As a symbol of this change, the crested crane, a beautiful bird, was chosen to be the representation of these newly found freedoms. That was a lot. They are very proud of that. <laughs> yeah. And their logo is the colors of the Ugandan flag yeah. with a, a crested crane. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it looks like any other alcohol bottle you would walk into a liquor store and buy in America. Yeah. It is very corporate. It is very manufactured. Uh, it passes... Lots of tests. So if tourists find themselves in Uganda, it is highly recommended Mm -hmm. that you go for this Uganda Waraji brand. Right. If you want to sample the gin from the country, while it is not that homemade banana fermented Waraji, Mm -hmm. it is safe to consume. Um, Going back to my story, you don't want to end up with yeah you know illness or god forbid death from uh and and they're very proud of it yeah uh the brand waraji's producers recommend not drinking it neat however it is still quite potent okay uh they suggest cola lime ginger ale tonic um and you know a a classic gin and tonic is like like a recipe that is on their website i mean Uh, i'm generally not drinking gin straight no. Ever. Yeah. No matter where it's from. So. <laughs> and it's noted that, like, citrus pairs really well yeah. with it because they do a lot of lime in their, in their gin, uh-huh. apparently. So okay. it goes well with, like, a, a lime seltzer or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they also, according to their website, not only brew regular Waraji, they have a pineapple flavor and a coconut flavor. Okay. So. Got that. Sounds delicious. Yes. Okay, close to 80% of the Waraji today is made in Uganda, but some surrounding countries have started to produce similar spirits. Mm -hmm. And I just want, again, if you find yourself in Uganda, you must try Waraji. But Mm -hmm. again, we are pushing you not to try the homemade Mm -hmm. version. Please try, like, a safe version at, like... This is, like, one of those few times where I'm, like... Go to the tourist bar. Yeah. Drink the tourist liquor. Yeah. For safety reasons. Right. Um, okay, I have a couple sources. I used, I did use Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, the people source. The people source. Uh, and then sipsmith.com had an article called Around the World in 80 Gins, Uganda. Okay. Um, Ugandabreweries.com had an article uh, time.com had an article called the battle to stop drink from destroying Uganda. And then that vice fringes, yeah. um, episode that I watched on YouTube. Um, it's actually that 
it's called War Gin, is what uh -huh. the episode is called. I don't know if I mentioned that. That's where the name War Aji comes from, is when, because they, they... Oh, because they discovered it during a war. And yeah. Gin, and it's a mix. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. I meant to say that. I for, I guess I forgot to type that when I was saying <laughs> the story. It's but okay. Yeah. You remembered it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But that's War Aji. Great. Okay, and now is that time. Cocktail of the week. Our last cocktail of the week of the season. Yes. Uh, inspired by Uganda, of course. Yes. Uh, Laura is going to tell you about it. So this one stands out to me because honestly, when I think of Africa, I think of like sunsets and safaris, mm -hmm. which I know not, is probably not true of all places in Africa. So yeah. I'm hoping Uganda has beautiful sunsets. Uh-huh. But on the um, Uganda Waraji website, which again is the gin that tourists should try if you're visiting uh -huh. so that you don't get sick, they have a cocktail called the Muyega Sunset, mm -hmm. I think is how you pronounce it. Say it like you mean it. Yes. Muyega. Um, and so the ingredients are one shot of original waraji, one shot of coconut waraji, a dash of waraji coffee, Ooh. and then orange juice, grenadine, and lemonade. That sounds pretty tasty. And it looks beautiful. Right. So you layer it. Like, it looks like you put the grenadine in first so right. it's on the bottom. And then you, like, mix the other things on top so it has this beautiful ombre sunset. Yes. Look to it. It looks lovely. I'm sure it tastes delicious. And there is the, uh, what, sorry, Wagari? Waraji. Waraji. Coffee. Is that, like, I wonder if that's just, like, a coffee-flavored gin? I don't know. It doesn't say a whole shot it says like a, a little bit of it so yeah I, maybe it's a bitter maybe but I'm not sure yeah yeah i also think it kind of sounds like it'd be great without that yeah it's and you could leave that part out yeah it actually is a little odd like the coffee but yeah. i mean i mean maybe it does like add a little oomph that you uh want in there yeah but if you want to try and make this, if you've got some waraji, or what, am I saying it wrong? Waraji. Waraji. Uh, you can find the recipe and a picture on our Instagram. Yes. So we are going to post all this uh, on Instagram. We are at a top on the wrist. And again, if you want to let us know about, you know, anything that you've tried, uh, any exciting stories that you have involving alcohol, you can send us an email, topontherestpodcast at gmail.com. And that was our penultimate episode. I know. <laughs> Join us next week for the ultimate episode. The ultimate. Of the season. <laughs> yes, of just the season. Uh, so until next week. Cheers. cheers.